I, uh, hi, 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 everyone. <laughs> hi. I, 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 uh, I had uh, an issue clicking on uh, on our, our intro there for a second, so we we're probably live with like ten seconds of dead air. So that's my, my every bad. time, Brian. I'll edit that out of the podcast. I know I should never control this, Jason. <laughs> Jason I, I think that's the uh, problem is I always have, and I go to do it, and now you're trying to too. So, Brian. We should we should all we should all cycle it so that way you know. We can... <laughs> well, uh, welcome to episode uh, fifty-four, our uh, theoretical distilling episode, which uh, I know nothing about. So uh, hopefully, Jordan's going to be theoretically leading the discussion on today's episode, and you'll also see uh, Drew down in the bottom left corner. If you're watching us, say hi, Drew. Hey, everybody. How's it going? You're supposed to say hi, Drew. (laughs) Hi, Drew. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He lose Simon says. Yeah. Who who also has some some knowledge uh, of the subject from a uh, theoretical level. So, yeah. Um, What's everybody drinking tonight? Uh, I guess I'll start off. I've got my uh, Bell's homebrew beer. which is a uh, Philly sour. Um, no other, no other malts added. Pretty much just their wort. I did not have time to really formulate a really well thought out beer, so just kind of, <laughs> kind of use the hops I had on hand, uh, which was um, I want to say bittered with Northern Brewer. Uh, there's a little bit of Azaka, um, some uh, Holler Tau. Holler Tower Blanc, I think, and uh, some other experimental hop. I'd have to go back and check my notes on. I want to say it's like Vovo Gina or something like that. Some weird yeah. name. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I'm drinking. That's what I with, got. With like a little bit of like bourbon mixed in there since it's like a distilling episode or. Yeah, I could, yeah. I could, I could go get some <laughs> scotch. I got Jordan some fail. Yeah, I, I didn't set that up for myself, but I might have to. I got the uh, wild turkey 101 right here. 101. God, is it going to be that type of Monday? Oh, yeah. Drew's kicking it off. <laughs> I did. Earlier in the night, I thought about, I was like, man, this is a distilling episode. I should just go get like a bottle of pop off and fill it with water and just. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can't cheat like that, though. I mean, we've. We, we've yeah, had. But I, also, I also can't sit here and slam shots on a Monday night. Uh, right now so <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the drew jacob show i guess well we'll, we'll get one of those rolled in again he did say he wanted to do another show with us so we'll have to we'll have to pencil him in stock up on malort kim's drinking lighthearted i love I, I really do like lighthearted i sometimes it's hard to justify the price for like low ab beer, beers like that but it um, is tasty yeah it's super tasty in fact well Kim, is that is that your clone kit? Is that your homebrew lighthearted kit, or is that an actual lighthearted? Because I, I know, I know he had a, a lighthearted kit going at one point in time too. So, what about you, Jason? What are you drinking? I'm going to stick with the the Bell's theme. I'm, I'm drinking my starting off anyway with my Bell's homebrew comp beer, which is a uh, cherry IPA. Yeah, and, it's uh, so clear. Is that really that clear? Wow. Yeah, it really is. Really is it that clear. Like, that's that's wow. the the writing on the other side of the glass. Um, so, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's super clear. It's uh, got a great red color. Um, 
I, uh, I stuck with the Michigan theme here. So, you know, Bells delivers this to us um, using all Michigan malt and, of course, Michigan water. Uh, and so I, I hopped with uh, Michigan copper hops uh, that I got from Great Lake. Yeah, Great Lake hops. And then um, pitched on, uh, on secondary, put in, um, I think, eight pounds of uh, Michigan tart cherries. So, um Gave it a really super great red color. It's got a really strong cherry flavor. Still an IPA. Then since Amy was nice enough to try it earlier and say it was gross. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> what type of hops did you use? Oh, you said you said that. Michigan, Michigan copper. copper. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Michigan copper hops. Uh, I did, you know, boil and aroma and and, and dry hop. Just a, a pretty traditional hop schedule, but it just just using the copper hops just to try to focus. On those hops, they have cherry and uh, spice flavors already, so I thought they'd go well with the cherries. And yeah, I mean, it's it's okay. It's which means it sucks. It's any beer, every beer I drink that I like that I make, if I like it, it's usually shit. So, uh, I guess while we're on the subject of uh, your two uh, Bell's beers, the uh, Homebrew Expo. That Bells is coming up this weekend, this, this Sunday? Sunday. Yes, okay. the nineteenth. Is that it? Um, I'd have to the calendar. 19th. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, so if you're in the Kalamazoo area uh, on Sunday, or if you're not and want to drive in, uh, Bells is doing a homebrew expo um, starting at is it eleven or noon? I didn't noon. see a time online. Google it. it up last night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, we'll be there as a club, Keepers of Craft. Um, I think there'll be at least one or two other clubs there. There will be some manufacturers there, um, probably some used people, I think, um, or at least there have been in the past. I don't have an entire rundown of you know who's going to be there uh, Sunday, but plus uh, us. it should be a good time. Yep. So plus us, uh, and there's going to be a raffle, so you can win. You know, maybe like bags of malt or. Uh, occasional they'll like raffle off like a like a Blickman burner or something like that. There's there's some pretty good prizes uh, just for showing up and, and hanging out and, and drinking. So um, yeah, and they're going to announce, of course, the most important part: the winner of the Bell's Humber competition. So um, if you end up drinking a cherry IPA next year uh, or a <laughs> nice, delicious uh, kettle sour, not really kettle sour, uh, you'll know who made them. Yeah, it'll be good. I'm drinking a red IPA, not Bell's homebrew competition beer, just a red IPA with some chrome and uh, and centennial hops, but solid. Right and a bag full of Ferndale beer and Old Nation Oktoberfest ready to go. So, yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go get a bottle of uh, of whiskey or something to, to dose my beers with, but um yeah what are you drinking drew oh well i kind Besides of showed that, everybody that but, turkey. Yeah. is that yeah. all you brought that's all i got right here but yeah i'm gonna need to change it up or cut it with coke or something See, this is Maybe this is when to. we need to have a shop where we could put shots for drew up on there and people can pay a dollar oh <laughs> uh, i got a lot of ice in there I'm just, of that. I'm just <laughs> right here oh okay See, there's water in there. It's like it's like a one to one ratio. That's just from the ice, though. It's just melted. 
I didn't add any water other than ice. All right. Well, I I remember okay. wild turkey back in the day. <laughs> it was good. According to all the uh, the subreddits of people who, uh, you know, bourbon enthusiasts and whatnot, they, they swear by this in terms of, like, for the price, and <laughs> I can't disagree, so... Really? Okay. Well, yeah. I'll have to pick some up next time I go shopping for bourbon. Get the 101, though. It's got to be the 101. It's a little yeah. more potent, but right, right. Got a adjust it down. Got a nice uh, flavor profile. I think last time I bought Wild Turkey 101, probably the reason why I never bought it again is that I slammed about a glass of what you have there, just <laughs> full. Oh, yeah. No, you don't want to do that. Don't remember what happened to the rest of the night. I made a, a post before we started the night. Just a reminder post for the show asking everybody to, you know, get their pints of bourbon together and you can hop on and join us. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll oh, see if man. we get held responsible for uh, anything tonight, I guess. Um, so where are we starting as far as, like, you know, the discussion goes? Like, uh what i don't know what what is a distilled spirit i guess like what how do you how do you get to that point like with, without going into the nitty-gritty what's what's the you know the three-step process no you uh i mean it, uh, since what's that brian is it, is it three-step i don't know i just i just picked i just made up a number just like, <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to be like okay is it three steps um well i mean you you, you brew uh much like we do um, you know, uh, from what I gather, a lot of, well, whiskeys, um, a lot of bourbons are made with corn rather than a, you know, a full malt bill. Um, I mean, unless of course you're doing like a single malt, uh, which is where the term comes from. You know, you ferment something up to, uh, from what I was reading online to about, uh, gravity of around 1080. Um, so if that ferments down, that should give you something that, what, uh, if that goes down, if that goes completely dry, what's that going to put you at? Like what? 12%? Yeah, 12% or so. Um, Should be. Yeah. And then you take you take that, you take, uh, you know, what you've, what you've fermented out and essentially, you know, that would be your beer at that point in time. Um, but then you take that and you put it into a, uh, a still, uh, you heat it up. And alcohol naturally drives off uh, at specific uh, temperatures before before water does, and you collect those alcohol vapors in the condenser, um, and then let that alcohol drain off. So you're essentially just extracting the the process of distilling is is extracting the alcohols from your brewed beverage, and, and, and then you drink it the last step. Yeah. <laughs> Well, before we get too far into this, I think it's important, you know, as Drew mentioned before the show, we, we need to point out, this is a theoretical discussion at this point. Uh, distilling at the homebrew or private level is currently illegal in Michigan, even though that's freaking stupid. Um, I think it's the entire United States. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, so, I, think, uh, I actually think there's some places states, where it's legal now. Certain states okay. let you do it, but it's still federally illegal. So, yeah. Ah, okay. yeah there are some Federal states, supersedes you know? the state law. Yeah, it's going to be technical. I mean, right. And but there's many there's many homebrew systems out there. SS Brewtech and uh, Grandfather and uh, or the Brewfather, whatever. They, th there are many systems that sell attachments that will do this. 
Um, and I think a lot of them are probably sold in the area for the purpose of making stuff like hand sanitizer or essential oils or some other uh, BS. So um, anything that might be said on the show today, uh, as far as Michigan's concerned, is is, uh, is like I said, uh, theoretical. None of us have distilling licenses nope. yet. Um, it's all about it's all about the process, the craft of the process. You know, it right. is like there are like 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 Drew said, there are some places, some states out there or regions that allow you to do it. Um, but as we said, it is federally illegal. So this is this was just a topic. I don't you know I'll take responsibility for it that I kind of bore <laughs> out of out of my head. Um, one uh, because uh, you know as most of us uh, home brewers who submitted to the national homebrew competition last year know all that beer mead ciders all got distilled down and turned into hand sanitizer. So at that point, it kind of I kind of started thinking off, and you know, just I'd never really looked into distilling much uh, prior to then. But I figured since you know my hard work was then going into make clean hands, um, I figured I'd I'd start looking into it and reading into it a bit, and it's just you know, it's kind of been a topic of research uh for me over the past you know year or so just lightly reading here or there about you know what are like what do what would you expect if you were to theoretically you know distill down one of your beers so that's what that's where this came up i figured you know we were kind of struggling around to come up with a topic so here we are talking about you know extracting that wonderful little courage juice out of your out of your home home (laughs) homebrewed beers (laughs) yeah i mean it, I, I would point out that um in new zealand it is legal to home distill for personal consumption hmm. so a lot of the good resources and stuff i've seen out there come from our kiwi friends um and they have a lot of a background from that perspective because it is legal interesting um, i did not know that and a quick shout out to you totally should uh write your member of Congress and help to get the law changed because I think it's completely stupid. I don't think there's any reason it can't be sort of how homebrewing is, you know, where there's a certain amount maybe you can produce, but you can't sell, you know, it's personal consumption, yada, yada, yada. Is there a lot more danger uh, though to distilling than the homebrewing? I think it's blown out of proportion a bit personally. Um, I mean, yes, you need to be careful. You need to be smart. Um, I don't think that's the reason it's not legal. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. I think it has more to do with tax reasons and things if you want my honest opinion on it. But yeah, um, I mean, there is probably a little bit of uh, escalated you know, danger level there just because you're using a sealed container and applying heat to it. So there's a little bit of, you know, vapor pressure within the still. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to say that it's not, it doesn't have additional dangers. It, it does. Um, but that's, it's, it is minimal. You'd really have to fuck. But up. at the same time, if it's illegal and it's hard to find information on it, you're, you're making the problem worse. Cause I think people are going to do it anyway. And then, um, but they're not using the right materials um, they're, they're doing things that are unsafe, you know, like, um, I think, well, you know, kind of reading back to the history on it, um, people kind of used to just kind of cobble together whatever. Right. And, you know, they were using metals with lead in them. 
like car radiators, stuff like that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm talking back, you know, more like maybe the twenties, thirties kind of prohibition era, but, um, yeah, I mean, lead can make you go blind and, um, that alcohol is going to strip the lead out, you know? So like there are some things to be cognizant of as Jordan mentioned, like, um, you're dealing with something that is basically a flammable gas at that point. Um, so, you know, there's a fire danger there. That's why, you know, from what I've seen, a lot of the stills they make these days are all electric, I think, because they're worried about the open flame. And, um, yep. you know, like the ones they sell in New Zealand and, and the, the ones you can get here. Um, but anyway. but it's, it's still it's, it's like saying that, you know, those risks don't uh, some of those risks aren't similar with homebrew. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're still homebrewing this shit. A lot of people do it in the garage or outside. And, you know, they're using propane. They're using open flame sources. If they they, they do it in their garage in the winter and they close the door, they're going to. Uh, you know, they're going to gas themselves out with uh, carbon monoxide and yep. uh, there, there's dangers to, to, to so many hobbies that we do. So again, as long as there's educational uh, material out there and, and awareness, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's no more dangerous than any, anything else that, that, that we do really. Um, but it is silly that it's illegal. So I, I, I did some poking cause I'm, I'm actively Googling and I've got some other people sending me messages and it is, there is technically a law in Michigan that uh, I think it, the way I'm reading it is it couches that it would be legal if it was federally legal. So Michigan mm-hmm. is already primed to allow it. Um, they're just hiding behind the federal law. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, then there are other States out there that actually do allow it and, and, and don't, uh, you know, kind of like what we're doing with weed. Um, you know, yep. weed is technically yeah. federally illegal, but you can buy it all over Michigan. So for some reason, Michigan's hiding, hiding behind the um, the federal law on this one. But there's other states that aren't, um, you know, like, uh, what is it? Florida, Alaska, Rhode Island. For some reason, Rhode Island. <laughs> that's a that's a weird one. <laughs> Florida makes sense. Alaska also makes sense. But yeah, uh, and the other ones I see were are Arizona, Maine, Massachusetts, Missouri, Ohio. Uh, that's a lot more yeah. than I thought. So I, I think, you know, especially now as, as, as home brewing has taken off home venting, uh, you know, with, with home wine making and home mead making and, uh, home and weed growing, home weed growing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, the new, the new trends that we're seeing with, um, you know, just the craft industry, craft distilling is, is, is the next big thing. Drew, do you have plans on getting a distilling license for Doster? Uh, not at this phase. Um, so I'm licensed to make, um, beer and wine right now, basically. Um, but I did look into it pretty seriously for a while there. Um, and I just determined like, and one thing I think we'll probably get into it more, but, um, you need so much more scale to make, uh, spirits because, you know, with that distillation process, you're losing uh, I don't know, maybe like 80% or more, um, depending on what you're making and what percentage. Um, but you know, so you need these massive fermenters. Like, um, I, I was, I think Jordan and I were talking the other night. Um, I, uh, I've been to a few places along the bourbon trail and, I, um, I, I want to say Jim Beam had fermenters that were like 
105,000 gallons a piece. Um, wow. That's and then they had massive. 16 of them. So it was yeah. just literally a room where you go up to like, I don't know, like the third or fourth floor. And you're just looking out at the tops of these tanks that are just massive. How, how um, many did you say that they had? 16, I think. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So in, in your terms, now. that was a few years about, ago. <laughs> that's 3,387 barrels. Like, like, you know, 31 gallon barrels. It's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But they're, you know, you're, you're like, it's distilling, right? We're, we're, they're fermenting probably their mash to uh, in the range of 18 to 20%. Um, you know, so you're automatically throwing off, uh, you know, the majority of that, that yep. volume, right? You're, you're, you're taking it down to such a fraction of a finished product that you're getting, which is, I think, why um, one of the, and the topics for tonight is, um, you know, as homebrewers, and what I've heard and talked to my friends about before is, man, I've got all this old homebrew, right? I've got gallons and gallons and gallons of old homebrew <laughs> in the basement. Wouldn't it be cool? Uh, to be able to distill that down and, uh, and and get something usable out of it, you know, whether it's uh, IPAs that have gone off or um, stouts that that didn't age well, and uh, and so I think that's my question is like in, in your research, Jordan, have you ever found like the, the feasibility of distilling uh, beer into spirits and actually you know getting something that's that's usable or drinkable, or does it impart you know some of that shit flavor from the beer or what? Well. You, you know, I guess we can, the way I look at it, at least, is, uh, you know, flavor aside, because I haven't had any anybody who's, who's done it or whatever, um, haven't tried it. Uh, you can just take a look at, like, you know, what type, what type of volume, you know, are you going to get out of, say, you know, say you got a full five-gallon batch that you, you know, you want, it's gross, you want to dump it, and say, what, 6% alcohol? So that 6% is theoretically what you're going to distill off as alcohol. Now, granted, you're going to get a little bit of water out of there. So your volume is going to be a little larger than that full 6%. Um, but still, it's, a, it's going to be a very, very small amount of usable material. Um, and, and even smaller than that, you know, full, you know, we'll say 6 to 10% of your batch. Cause that first, like say, and this was a bit of research I was doing or something that I <clears throat> didn't know until just like a few weeks ago. Uh, now I always knew that you uh, drew, I think you called it uh, four shots was yeah. like your, your first, like 10% of distillate is basically trash. It's the stuff that's going to make you sick. Don't drink it. Don't do it. Don't think about it. Like yeah, first 10% just, toss it, use it for something else, anything besides ingesting it. Um, and then uh, you have like three different, so, you know, we're down to like 90% of, you know, what your usable distillate would be. So your first uh, 30% would be about what they call heads. So that's stuff that's not like necessarily super flavorful. Um, it doesn't contain any of, uh, you know, it's, it's as drinkable. Yeah. But it's not as, how would you say, uh, maybe pure, um, palatable. If that, yeah, palatable, um, as you might think. So from what I read, a lot of people will collect that 30% approximately of the, what they call the head of the, uh, distill and they'll toss that aside. And then you get that 
the next 30% you get into is what they call the hearts. And that's, that's the good stuff. So that's the stuff that's going to have a good flavor. It's going to be good and mellow. Um, that's stuff that you're going to want to use to say, put into a barrel or throw oak chips on or flavor or something like that. Um, and then the last 30% is what they call the tails. Um, and a lot, from what I read, a lot of people will take those tails and they'll toss them in with the heads and they'll collect those, those heads and tail, uh, distill till they have a whole, dis, uh, a whole new batch to distill and they'll toss that in back into the still and redistill it. Um, so what you're looking at really, if you've got a 6% beer, you're really only looking at like maybe 30% of what that usable distillate is going to be. Uh, is going to be like your good quality stuff. Now, some distillers will say like, oh, well, no, it's like more that 40% and they'll only throw out 20% of the tails, what have you. It's all dependent on, you know, taste, flavor, and the distiller. It's a lot like brewing, kind of up to your own personal tastes. Uh, but general rule of thumb from what I've found is that like you have that 10% you toss out at the beginning, 30% for, from the next 30% you set aside, good 30% in the center there for hearts, and then the other 30% you set off to the side to redistill later. So there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work that's going to go into getting a very small volume of usable <laughs> liquor. Just to do your math there, because I punched it in, you started with a five-gallon batch at 6%, breaking down the math with all the, th- the 30% throw-off, the 30% reuse. You're going to yep. wind up with 11 and a half ounces of finished product that you can use. Yep. Now, granted, that's, you know, you can still... Like, uh, how would you say, what, what do they call I can't remember what the term that they call it, but when you add water to it, because you don't want to oh, just sure, drink sure. that straight stuff, you know, uh, can't, I can't recall the term, but. White dog. Yeah, yeah. You add water but, to the white dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. To bring out, bring out the flavors and whatnot, but, because yeah. um, that's, you know, going to be, you know, 100 and, you know, between 120 and 160 proof, depending on how efficient your still is. Huh. Um but so you just so you dilute it down and then that's what you would throw into you know throw on oak oak chips or something so still i mean you you said what 11 and a half ounces is what you were looking at so you're looking at 22 ounces you know so a a bomber maybe uh you know after um after re-diluting it so there's not not a whole lot that you get out of distilling down a batch granted you're not drinking at a pint at a time you know, right, uh, right, right. Shouldn't maybe, but, but you also don't get to drink that beer, and that that's kind of where I landed on. Geez, you know, I I I'd feel bad kind of distilling all this beer that I'm making, you know. But yeah. Well, so no, I never I never would intended to make a beer and then distill it with that intent though. Drew, my my intent yeah. was I've got 22 cases of beer that I've collected over the last nine years of home brewing. Um, that really, in all honesty, needs to get dumped out. So, you know, is there something salvageable out of all of this beer? Because when Brian and I went through and tried a lot of it, and and it's all fucking dumpers. So yeah, no, that a hundred percent. That makes sense. Uh, I I was saying, you know, when I looked into doing it commercially, oh it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, but there goes my beer. You know, it's like I, I don't know. So it's amazing how much it takes to make just a little, little bit of liquor, you know, when you're talking those kinds of percentages. 
Yeah, which is which is why, you know, as Jason had said earlier, you know, Jim Beam probably ferments, you know, their uh, mash to eighteen to twenty percent, because then you're you're still looking at, you know, getting a, a lot more out of it. I mean you're you're looking at getting, you know, close to four times, you know, three to four times your usable amount. So you know, and that's and that's they're cranking through those fermenters too. I mean, they're, it's not like they're sitting in those things for weeks, you know, it's right. Boom. Good enough. And then it gets distilled pretty much, you know, once it hits that, that FG, that final gravity they're looking for, you know, they're transferring it to the still and going. Yep. So, So, yeah, I don't, I don't know, uh, Jason, if, you know, 22 cases is a lot of beer. So you might have, you might have enough there to get something. That'd be, that'd be a couple long days though. Yeah. Oh, that's my thing is, is that's, that's the conversations that I've had around with homebrewers is, is what to do with leftover stuff. You know, I've, I've, I've got a friend that used to work for, uh, a dis, uh, distributor that, um, you know, had access to a, a large volume of, of some old beer at one point, you know, and they thought about doing it. And then, but then the question came down to what am I going to pick up from this? You know, am I going to make, um, just nasty swill, uh, <laughs> you know, or, you know, is it going to, is it going to have old hop residue that's going to come through or, um, you know, any other off flavors or, or am I going to get, you know, clean, pure white, dog, whatever it's called, you know, liquor that I can then, you know, age and, and, and use. Um, and so that, that's where my curiosity into it comes is, is if I ever get the opportunity, if, if we pass the law and, and, and I get the, the chance to do it, you know, is, is it viable to use old beer uh, to distill or, or is it just hand sanitizer at that point? Yeah. And I mean, off your, off your initial distill, you're probably like, say you had, you know, five gallons of uh, hot, you know, uh, 75 IBU IPA, um, you know, something super hoppy. You're probably going to get some of those flavors carrying through into the initial uh, distillate. Um, but, you know, the nice thing about distilling is that you can kind of toss that aside and you can run it through again and run it through again and keep stripping those flavors off until you have something very clear. Okay. So, yeah. So you, you have, unlike, unlike a, you know, a beer where, you know, if you have something that you just really don't like the flavor of, you know, you can try messing with it a bunch, but oftentimes like if that flavor, that flavor might not be salvageable when, when it comes to distilling, if you're not liking the flavor, when it first comes out, run it again. I mean, you're going to strip flavor out of it, but yeah. you'll eventually get, you know, something super clean. Well, I, th- I think it's important to note there's different kinds of stills too. Like, um, oh, that's yeah. That, yep. So we've kind of, I think to this point, we've been talking about pot stills, which are more designed for making like whiskeys and, and things where you're, you're kind of trying to retain a lot of that initial flavor. Like, you know, whiskey is essentially distilled beer. So you're trying to retain some of those, you know, kind of caramely notes and things that came mm-hmm. from the original beer um, versus like a reflux still, which is what you're going to use to make like vodka or maybe like, um, you know, like a moonshine or something where it's like you're trying to strip, like you're stripping out a lot of that in, in the effort to get to 
um, a higher kind of cleaner alcohol. So what's, uh, what's the difference in the way that those work? Like say like a pot still versus a reflux. Uh, I mean, it, it has a lot to do with the, the column on it. So, um, and you know, people can correct me in chat if I'm wrong here, <laughs> but the way I understand it is like, um, you know, there's a, like when you're distilling, there's kind of a cycle, right? So like your alcohol vapors coming up and then you've got, uh, usually like cold water or, or something that's kind of cooling it back down, um, so that the alcohol vapor will condensate and so it can be collected kind of thing. Um, so it has a lot to do with like the shape of it. So with a pot still, there's less of that, um, circulation going on. Um, so you're ultimately getting like a lower percentage alcohol and it's retaining more of those sort of like Uh. aromatic compounds and stuff versus by the time it comes out of a reflux still, it's kind of gone through that process so many times you're getting like, uh, like a pretty clean, um, high octane product on the other end. So like, you know, when they're making vodka, they're using more like a reflux still when they're making whiskey, they're making, they're using more like a pot still kind of setup. Yep. I guess the, uh, the easy way to, to, uh, note the difference, you know, if you're, if you look at a still, um, or you see one, ones that have the giant column coming right up out of the center, you know, that's, that's your, that's your reflux column. So that would be your reflux still, whereas the pot still um, might just have a small column off the top or something off to the side, you know, just somewhere for those vapors to escape. If you've ever seen those old pick, uh, like old (laughs) pictures of stills where they got like this kind of like wizardry sort of like, cone thingy coming off the side like that's like a pot still because it's just there's not a lot of time for that to really process and um you know heat up and and re-condensate or whatever yep wizardry yeah, you know, like an alchemist or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't isn't all of all of brewing or distilling isn't it just alchemy at some level? Pretty much, yeah. Turning grain into alcohol is basically like turning, you know, what is it like lead into gold or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Totally cool. <laughs> <into gold. laughs> so, what kind of like like Drew? You said making you know, whiskey or, or whatever is basically like distilling beer. Right. But do you, do you use like just, you know, like malted barley in that or like what, uh, what, what kind of determines like maybe like what, what flavors you get? Like why, why is one whiskey tasting different than a different whiskey? If we're just sort of everybody's, you know, making big beers and, and distilling them. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it has a a ton to do with your, uh, grain makeup going into the initial fermentation. I think Jordan kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, in fact, uh, I can't remember the exact percentages, but there's very strict guidelines around like bourbon about how much rye you're supposed to use and how much barley and corn. (laughs) Only thing I remember on bourbon is that it has to be a majority corn. So it has to be 51% corn. I believe. Yeah. I can 
be corrected on that. But so I that's a factor. Um, another thing is like sour mash, right? Um, where you're like, so when you make whiskey, uh, well, especially like bourbon type whiskey, like they'll, they'll ferment it with, or um, yeah, they ferment it with the grain and stuff in there. Like it's not, you know, like as a brewer, we're going through this process where we have like a, a false bottom or we're using a brew in a bag. We're ultimately separating the grains from the wort before we ferment. That's not necessarily true with how they make a lot of the whiskeys. Um, and so what ends up happening after a while is um, you start getting that wild yeast in there and, and it kind of gets that sour funkiness to it. Um, and that's kind of where your sour mash whiskey comes from and how that became like a thing. I would um, point out, I guess at, at, at this point where um, that's from, that's from reusing your mash grains primarily, at least from, from what yeah. I've read. So yeah. since, since you're fermenting on top of your starches more or less, uh, and then draining off, you can effectively just re add water, add some sugar to get the yeast going again and it will start chewing away at the same stuff before. But at that point in time, you know, that's where you kind of, you know, the sour mash might start coming in there. You know, things might souring up a little bit, but you can get a few runs out of, out of your, um, your starches. Another thing I didn't realize because, but maybe everybody knew this is like, so brandy is essentially distilled wine, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't really put that together until I, until I started doing some research on it. It kind of blew my mind. I'm like, oh, so whiskey is basically distilled beer and brandy's basically distilled wine. Wow. Yep. <laughs> or like, uh, well, like, because it, it can be like apple, like wine too, right? Like a distilled cider and stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Like apple brandy. Wonder, uh, is there is there a term for distilled mead? I wonder. I, I don't know. know the answer. So yeah. It probably uh, still fall in the brandy category. Is yeah, is what I yeah, would think. Yeah, you're probably right. Honey brandy. That's yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm reading right now. That's it falls in the brandy. Yeah. Man, that'd be expensive. <clears throat> I want to. I want to taste. Have you had Springer at, at Homebrew Fest, Barry? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. Yeah. I guess that that is what that is. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Not that I it's kind of Michigan of, or anything like that at all, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's a purchased. Uh, whatever. <laughs> so is uh, is ice distilling illegal too? Then. I don't think so. That's. Because, a, I don't think it's. It's, it's, it's not technically called distilling. It's it's fortification. It's uh, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, commercially, you need the right kind of license to go over a certain percentage, right? Because you're, you're getting into like the sort of heavy wines for like right. almost, but um, yeah, my cat's here. <laughs> hey, kitty. <laughs> hey, Patty. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I kind of want to taste like whiskeys or whatever made out of different um, like beer styles now like a like an oktoberfest like whiskey <laughs> or something like so, like a bunch so there of are malt. there are like 
specific adjuncts um, that people fall into. So obviously, you know, that there's rye whiskey um, where, you know, a majority of, you know, those, those uh, grains that are used in there are rye. Um, but like, uh, <laughs> <Real quick. laughs> um, there are uh, like whiskeys out there that use things like wheat. Um, and I, I didn't realize this before, but I believe Pappy is is used uh, using wheat and each hmm. different type of grain adjunct that you use imparts a different uh, profile to uh, the finished product. So from what I read, wheat makes things pretty smooth and really mellow. Uh, whereas rye, you know, it carries through that spicy flavor. Um, from what I gather, like your standard whiskeys, like uh, like a Jack or a, or a pretty standard bourbon, um, they all primarily use two row. That's the base malt that gets thrown in as uh, as its um, yeah as the grain starch part of it. So yeah, I, I, I would find it very interesting to try. You know. Um, you know, throw on some melanoidin malt in there and see see what happens. <laughs> are, are, do they have like really dark like whiskeys and bourbons? Like you know, for, from like a stout or something like that. Like well, you're, still, right. you're gonna lose a ton of color. Are you? Yeah. Oh, I drew. I drew. <laughs> <clears throat> Patty Alt F Ford him. Yeah. <laughs> Kick me out of the office. So yeah. <laughs> or chew through one of his cords. I hope not. Oh Lord. So yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't heard about different different greens imparting different technical uh, difficulties. You know, crazy colors or anything like that. It seems to be just the variety. Not like the I guess not I, let me back up. I, I haven't heard about the effects of malting on greens. I've just heard about distilling with the various types of grains. And I wonder if, um, you know, for, for them, for a whiskey producer, uh, to, to use a malted grain, I think would be cost prohibitive, right? Cause you're, you're, you're decreasing the available sugars in that grain when you malt it, you know? And so, so they're using, you know, just like a base malt uh -huh. uh, smile, so roast it and to go up and get that or try to get those color roasty characteristics. I think that's what they're doing with the barrel and, and, and other, <clears throat> Uh, other treatments yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> so so what about uh going like way way off alternate fermentables like uh like mountain dew like uh, <laughs> do shine <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah like not even do wine but do shine yeah do shine uh, there you go oh that, that i mean most of those other compounds that are in Mountain Dew probably won't carry over through the, you know, distilling, but maybe it's <laughs> once, once it's legal here in Michigan, somebody make us like 20 gallons of Dew. You, you know, Dew it just goes back to, you, you come up with some interesting ideas and then Brian finds a way to twist them and convert them. <laughs> <laughs> Just pushing, pushing the theater the theoretical boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm not I'm not completely crazy. I was like, didn't they make that? But it was like non-alcoholic Mountain Dew Dew Shine. So there is an alcoholic <laughs> version of Mountain Dew coming out uh, this fall. Oh yeah, you're right. I do remember um, reading that. They're they're. Uh, they're 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 kind of going down the seltzer route though. I think it's going to be like a malt beverage 
um, a Mountain Dew flavored uh, seltzer product, 5% ABV. Uh, I'll find them. Yeah, there's also, this is like, I don't know, when I Googled it, it came up on Walmart. But it's basically Mountain Dew made with uh, cane sugar, but it's non-alcoholic. So the the alcoholic Mountain Dew line got pushed back to 2022. Damn. Come on. Um, Rats. Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're coming out with three flavors, uh, Mountain Dew flavor, black cherry flavor, and watermelon flavor, which I don't know if anybody's had watermelon Mountain Dew. It's not good. Um, let me see if I can. You are a, a watermelon aficionado. I mean, I, I can't I, imagine it's going to be that much different than just like making up a vodka and Mountain Dew or something, you know? Yeah. Does so, Mountain Dew, does original Mountain Dew taste like citrusy lemon to you guys? I've never thought of Mountain Dew as citrusy lemon, but. The base flavor of Mountain Dew is orange. Huh. It, interesting. I never, I never would have thought that since it looks like, you know, engine coolant. That's why yeah, Ecto no. Cooler was so popular. <laughs> I see Ecto Cooler. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember, I remember those. Never existed. Yeah, yeah. Well, like <laughs> the Ghostbusters came out. Yeah, Tim Tim mixes his with uh with milk. There we've got almost. it. The uh, the Mountain Dew line. Okay, I did see that the other day too. Yeah. Yeah. Zero sugar Mountain Dew. Well, I guess <laughs> I guess they have Diet Mountain Dew, but still. Oh, they've actually already got Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. So Pepsi yeah. Pepsi brought out the Zero Sugar line to battle Coke's Coke Zero. So, so are those cocktails or are they like a fermented beverage? Do you know? It's a fermented beverage. Yeah, okay. It's, uh, oh, really? Yeah. Huh. That's what I said. It's it's seltzer. It's it's malt. It's malt malt liquor. Um, that might be worth trying then. Or malt beverage. Um, yeah, that, that's funny that. A lot of people are confused. I don't know why why we got on a, a Mountain Dew kick, but Mountain because Dew's, Brian and his weird ideas. <laughs> yeah, Mount, Mountain Dew's base flavor is citrus. It's it's citrus. It's it's primarily orange. Uh, they use um, they use uh, uh, orange concentrate. So, and I think you know if you look back in the history, I think at one point it was lemon, but. I think cheap it, it got cheaper to do orange. So now they just it's citrus. It's, it's flavors. It's just orange pop colors. Yeah. In. <laughs> so if I were to grab some Fanta, it would taste just like Mountain Dew. Not in your head. It's one of the other reasons why here we go down stupid facts in Mountain Dew. Uh, shake up a can and and, uh, and open it. It doesn't uh, it doesn't foam crazy like cola. And really? Because of the citrus oils. Yeah, it's the head retention on Mountain Dew is non-existent. There's no huh. foam foam positive proteins in uh, in a Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go, folks. Try it. Try it over your keyboards. There you go. All right. We yeah. are not responsible if <laughs> we're not responsible for anything we're talking about tonight. No, for sure. <laughs> Maybe we need to flash a disclaimer up at the yeah. end of our intro. Just if, saying, if you like, listen we're not to anything listening. we're saying tonight and, and take it seriously, then you're dumb. <laughs> unless unless the brain Stevens, you know, flag is up, and then that's 
real talk. <laughs> then it's okay. Yeah. All right. So what was the topic again? Stilling beer. <laughs> right. So let's just talk about shit that we know about. Um, why is that Larry Bell? Romated <laughs> vegetable oil in Mountain Dew. That okay. is Larry there Bell. Is. Look at oh, that. there you go. Hey, hey, Larry. Thanks so for stopping by. The, the one thing I do know about is is the crushing sensation of having all of your wonderful, amazing homebrew turned into hand sanitizer. Um, uh, yeah. Who, who was it here that was it somebody somebody we know sent over like their Jason you were saying you you convinced somebody to send over like their last bottle of mead yeah or something um, yeah yep yeah. I people to uh, I convince people to enter I was really excited you know that's my job in, in the in the in the club is to convince people to enter homebrew clubs and get you know good feedback and you do a great uh, job yeah you know <laughs> there's a <laughs> I know um but uh, I mean, that's 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 what I do, and, and I did. I can I convinced some some people to enter, you know, like the last of their, uh, you know, seven year old, you know, uh, amazing award winning mead, and uh, and and send it to nationals. It's going to do well, and you're going to get great feedback and a, and a medal. And, uh, and and it got dumped and turned into home hand sanitizer. So I this just, this this mead was uh, I think it was 2000 maybe 14. Uh, wine magazine like meat of the year like for whatever yeah. competition they had going on like it was it was like the last bottles <laughs> and he was yeah just just kind of heartbroken um i mean what can you do at least it you know hopefully went to a good cause but yeah uh, yeah that's why i said you know i, I think it, it just made it made heroes out of all of us home brewers we, we contributed to the cause uh in the day of age you know when, when hand sanitizer was hard to come by uh and and the hospital staff needed i actually believe i believe that this that the home brew and, and i could be totally pulling this out of my ass but the home brew was sent to a, a distillery turned into hand sanitizer and donated to uh frontline healthcare workers um so okay. that's the story i read or at least that's that's how I interpreted the story when I was drinking, crying one night. You <laughs> know, um, I was often yeah. wondering. You know, about let's that. let's be optimistic that like maybe a couple of the bottles got drank by the guys who were distilling it all. Like, <laughs> like you know, because then I'd feel like a little better about that. If, if I would have got like a random email from you know some distiller out there that was like you know, hey, cracked any of these open before we we you know dumped it in, I would have. Uh, my heart would have been so warm. Yeah. That would have been that would have been awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. If Larry, you're, if you're still watching, I just uh, I just poured a hams into a Bell's glass. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> From the land of sky blue waters. <laughs> yeah. uh, I wonder. Um, uh, I really, I wish I could have tried whatever, like the the end product would have been, like, uh, you know, the the, the distillate. Yeah, you know, just probably just not a, very good, dude. I think you've had Malort. That's <laughs> it's that's probably what Malort is. You just get, I mean, I don't know. You think of all those different categories of beer. I feel like there'd be such a clash <laughs> in flavors. Uh, maybe worse than Malort, even. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. 
Thank you, Larry. It was reflex. Um, <laughs> so anyway, no, there you, you have you have been forgiven. <laughs> oh man! So you know this is this is obviously um, what none of us have really done this. This was just something that we're we're we're, we're interested in. Uh, I I would love to if if it was legal. I would love to get a a home distilled kit. I know I know Jordan. You know it's going to get me twenty two ounces of, of liquor out of a five gallon batch. I just think the science behind it's neat. I'd like to try it. And- no, I agree one hundred percent. I'd I'd still do it. I, you know once and once it's you know once slash if it's legal here, I will be by pressing that buy button. Yeah, that day. I have dreams of getting like these little one one gallon oak. Uh, you know, desktop barrels and like aging out, you know, in my office. And, and Do they make them in one gallon? Yeah, I've seen them. Uh, novelty shit, I'm sure, but I don't know. Let's let's talk about aging for a sec. So, you sure. know, say you are doing it on like a really small scale. Like, I, obviously, you know, white lightning kind of sucks, right? Like, nobody really wants to drink just like distilled ethanol, like straight up. So, right. We throw it in like charred barrels or you know, do whatever else we do with it. You dilute it first. Okay. Fair, fair. Yep. (laughs) Nobody wants to drink, uh, like ever clear, I guess. Right. Basically. Or, uh, essentially. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Um, he also, it goes further, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 When you cut it with water, but you know, woods given, you know, these, these liquors, all their magical flavors, you know, like, uh, you know, vanillas and chocolates and, uh, Oh, Oh, that's there's there's point. there's Larry. It, that's that's a good point, Larry. It evaporates fast in small barrels. That's that's a very very good point. I did not think. I mean, we're we're that. home brewers, right? We're not we're not thinking of the the. My wife would kill me if I had a bunch of fifty-five gallon like wood barrels here in my basement. <laughs> like, I just I don't think that's feasible. Uh, I tried to buy it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I was going to say, maybe you guys have read of that. Like how, how do like wood, wood alternatives work? So say you char up some like staves and you drop them in like a, you know, a carboy full of. Or, or a small glass bottle. So you're going to avoid evaporation. You're going to, you're going to sure, the yeah. wood flavor, you know, so you're talking about like using those spirals, right. Or, um, I, I just don't know if you get the, the, the surface area and, and the volume, right, to impart the, the wood flavors. Well, you, you should have more surface area, depending on the nut. Like, if you had, you know, a wide mouth, um, a gallon pickle jar works well. So there we go. Getting some knowledge laid down by, by Larry Bell. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you have, like, say, a gallon glass, you know, pickle jar, and you have, you know, three or four, six, however many, you know, fit in there without having overflow of those charred, oak spirals in there you should technically have more surface area in contact with the liquor so you're technically your aging time if i'm thinking about this correctly and i could just be completely wrong because i'm just off the top of my head right now it should go down the, so you shouldn't have to keep it in there the for container, a generally yeah the the larger the surface area overall like yeah yeah exactly it's why like five gallon you know barrels or whatever beer will like age faster than those um, it's just uh, the ratio is is a lot smaller. So Larry's saying three to six months. Larry, have you used like a like alternative wood in? Um, That's a good you know, question. In smaller batches or anything like that. 
like a um, like a cherry wood or or you know toasted pecan or something like that. I don't know if that's what you're getting at, Brian, but that's something that I've been thinking of. Like, have they? Because usually it's American white oak. Mm-hmm. Those um those squirrels we talked about a little bit the other day. Those are kind of interesting. Let's yeah, talk about squirrels yeah. for a sec. Yeah, that's super cool. I can't. Uh, you know, I I looked into them for beer too as a aging option. Um, but basically, yeah, the idea is you it has these removable wooden slats, um, so you could supplement different kinds of wood. Um, of course, they're more kind of geared, you know, towards the homebrew size. But um, I don't know. I can't vouch for them, but they seem interesting, kind of pricey. But uh, the the idea of a reusable barrel is kind of a cool idea. Yeah, I really for for a. Um uh, I guess a commercial scale. Yeah. Yeah. I thought those were those, it, the term squirrel. I love, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but you know, just having those slats that you can kind of exchange out, you know, uh, different things was, was really neat. Um, at a, at a home, you know, theoretical home brew, home distilling scale. I don't, I don't really see it being unless you got a ton of money to throw, you know, what would they like seven eighty, seven hundred and eighty dollars? Yeah, they're they're at expensive. A, at a ten gallon or so fermenter. Or they're fairly barrel. small too though, I guess is what I was getting at. Like, you know. Yeah. I thought well, they were only ten gallons, ten or fifteen gallons. Yeah. Then here's the thing kinda of though. What 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 is the difference between, you know, replacing a bunch of slats of, you know, wood inside this, you know, fermenter versus just you know, taking spirals or honeycombs and dropping them right inside like a container, uh, like, like a pickle jar or something, right? Like aside from having to account for the extra surface area that the other, you know, three dimensions of the or two dimensions of the, of the wood, you know, adds uh, versus just being exposed, you know, right on one side, it should kind of accomplish the same thing, right? You might, you might even have to use less wood overall because you're using, you know, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was, that was my thought. And, you know, if I were to, if I were to think of it, yeah, like the, yeah, I didn't even think of the honeycombs, but yeah, doing a honeycomb, uh, you know, insert or, or the spirals or something like that, you know, I feel inside of a glass jar would probably be ideal for, you know, the, the home brewer scale, if you will. And as we saw from Larry Bell, he said three to six months does pretty good. So, you know, you don't have to, wait years or anything like that and no evaporation if you're in glass so more product yeah and that's that's kind of a good point too is um you know you kind of got to be careful what um i mean i talked about a little bit earlier but you got to be careful what um sort of containers and stuff you would be using um when you're talking about spirits so yeah, because you don't want to use. I was just gonna look if if the squirrels are even rated to hold spirits. You know what I mean? Like I thought that's what they were made for. To be yeah. honest, when we were talking about it, we were drinking, you know, like usual. So as we are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because they would work for uh, like beer aging too, which I think is originally when I kind of looked at them, but. Well, I don't know. I guess it would also be. Oh, go ahead. Like wood, stainless, and glass, 
pretty much are yeah fair game and and copper certain types of copper is the short answer but do you you know do your research what's the did we talk about this earlier what's the the benefit of a copper um like still or something versus like another metal uh, or a copper pot there the copper copper has some redeeming value with, with distilling right it was like a special property or something that it brings to the table I feel like I've read this somewhere. But As I yeah, understand I'm, it, I'm, I'm it kind of here. purifies it a little bit, right? I think it strips out some of the nasties. It, yeah, um, it's, it's highly reactive to other charged compounds. So yeah. it should should attract things that are outside uh, within, the, within the vapor that are outside of the alcohol. So hmm. it creates a cleaner product, which is why it, when we were talking about uh, reflux distilling, uh, the, in that column that they have up above, um, you know, your, your pot or whatever, uh, a lot of times distillers, if they're really trying to make a super clean product, will pack that full of like a copper, uh, like wool, kind of like a steel wool, but made out of copper. Uh, so what happens is that as that, um, as that vapor is going up, cooling into that column, cooling mm-hmm. off, and then refluxing back down, condensing and falling back down through the copper, that distillate is being cleaned from the copper wool as it goes back down in the solution and then re-evaporates back up. And then, you know, after it goes through that a few times, you know, the cleaner vapor will then make it up through and escape out to your condenser and then out into your collection pot. Hmm. That's cool. There, there's a lot of things about... Um, like post um, filtration to like uh, a lot of, you know, they use like radioactive carbon. Like there, there was that Mythbusters episode, right? Where they are putting like, you know, bottom shelf vodka through um, like Brita filters and stuff like mm-hmm. that over mm-hmm. and over again. Yep. Um, I, I mean, that's legit. Um, that does actually work. Um, and that's something that, that's, you know, gets talked about a lot in the, in the home distilling community. Can you buy just like kind of junk whiskey and run it through, you know, a Brita filter a couple times and come out with a better product? I mean, that that's what they did in the show. Yeah. yeah. It, it, oh, it, it, it. You said, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, so in the show, I think with, if I remember right, they had, yeah, like the bottom shelf vodka and then they had like a professional taster come in. Mm, and if, okay, I missed that. if I remember right, he could still tell the difference, but he also kind of ranked them based on how many times they had been, um, you know, filtered through and you know, the, the bottom shelf vodka that had been filtered a bunch of times was like, not that much worse than like the top shelf stuff is kind of the gist. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. It made an improvement. It just yeah, right. Well, I mean, I think we've wasted an hour talking on something that none of us can legally do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to hang out with Larry for a while. Thanks, Larry, if you're still watching. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got uh, the Bell's Homebrew Competition coming up. The award ceremonies on Sunday. We'll all be there. Uh, well, Drew, you coming? Come. I'm going to do my best. Yeah, I, be there. yeah, I think I'll be there. I was, you know, I was way off. I, I guess I thought it was still going to be all Stouts Day this year, but I, I'm out of the loop on that a little bit. But 
they've, they've really gone out this year. It's, uh, I'll make it's a plan. It's going to be, be there. in the beer garden. Um, we're going to be there for keepers of craft. We'll have the, uh, you know, some of our, our, our info there and our bar set up, even though we, we can't serve beer on it uh, yet. Maybe Flurry's on, we can talk about that for next year, but uh, <laughs> we'll have, um, you know, some of the club there supporting uh, the, the local homebrew community and uh, hopefully uh, keeper won it again. That'll be three times in a row. Um, yeah. So that, that'll be awesome. Keep it on the family. Uh, yeah. No, it's a great time either way. Hell yeah. And um, one of my favorite times of year, to be honest. Absolutely. <laughs> come come win a prize. And so far, I think Drew is like the only one I know personally that's actually won a <laughs> raffle prize. Yeah. So we're, we're bound to have some keepers with us here. I, just, I, I did just inadvertently. Well, I guess I didn't win it, but I... Uh, I, somebody, somebody. That's where I got my wort chiller. Was from the Bell's, home, uh, the Bell's homebrew kickoff. Uh, one of the guys that was brewing with me at the time won it, and I was a roommate with him. And he kind of stopped brewing before we moved out. So, yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I, one year I won some smoked malt at it, and I hate smoked malt. But <laughs> that's what I, was I was like, I was thinking somebody got a bunch of malt that like they didn't couldn't use or whatever that yeah all right no that's the pilot house guy was there and he swapped it out for good malt because i had just been at his table or something talking about actually you know that might not have been homebrew fest that might have been the aha get together i can't remember but it, the, the i was at the table talking with the pilot house malt guy and i tasted his smoked malt and i like spit it out i'm like god i hate smoked malt like i didn't realize it was smoked and and he laughed at me, and then 20 minutes later, I won a big old bag of smoked malt, and I came back to his table, and he's just like, here, you can take <laughs> yeah. regular uh, malt. I, I won, like, a 50-pound bag of malt and some swag and got, like, a nice hat out of it. I, I got some yeah. great stuff the year I won. So I think I've yeah. been one number away <laughs> two years in a row yeah. from winning. <laughs> So we've got we've got Friday or I'm sorry Sunday we've got the the Bell's Homebrew Competition Award Ceremony come out and check that out. Um, yes, please do. Next week uh, I have to nail this down yet. So we are going to be talking with um, um, the the organizer of the Michigan State Fair Homebrew Competition uh, Blair. Um, you know he said he, you know we we streamed uh, the homebrew competition or homebrew award ceremony last week. Um, congrats to all the winners there. I know Brian took a whole handful of fucking medals home uh, or ribbons. Uh, but we'll have Blair on to talk about the Michigan State Fair Homebrew Competition hopefully next Monday. Um, and then as a uh, for a change of pace, Brian and Jordan and I actually got together and kind of planned out the shows for the whole rest of the year. So we actually do have... <laughs> we got a game um, plan. We yeah. do. We have, yeah. we have 14 shows lined up. You know, there's a lot of guest shows in there that we've got to nail down specific dates, so I don't have an order yet. Um, but we'll definitely have some more homebrew clubs on. Um, we're going to have a couple of cider makers uh, hopefully joining us. We're going to do a show um, around mead, um, hopefully with the organizers of the Mead Cup. Um, what else? I don't have a list in front of me. Uh, we've got a homebrew review show uh, yes. coming up that we're going to try to focus on session beers this time. So that's a good thing to throw out if, if you're watching or if you hear this. Um, we're going to target a show either in later October or early November. Um, and we're going to be drinking and talking about session beers and giving a review on session beers, talking about recipe variations for session beers. So um, if, you're, if, if you're interested in getting us your beer, 
uh, reach out to us either on our Facebook page or individually um, or email uh, michigan.brews.show at gmail.com. Uh, put that in the thing. We also and have a special Thanksgiving show lined up. We do. We do. Oh. Holiday Seltzer 3.0. Oh, shit, I forgot there about that. That's... <laughs> so we're going to drink some oh. Holiday Seltzers. Uh, I got corn sugar. I got time to make one. Yeah, right? so we, yeah. can, we can have up to 10 people on our stream at a time now if uh, if we want, you know, seltzer a party, spell, seltzer family episode or something. Let's get Larry on. Have him come drink seltzers with us. So what does holiday sure. seltzer mean? Like yeah. cranberry seltzers or like? No, it just, oh, means, no, it's it's just, just means it's the holidays and we're going to drink seltzer. So we're going to okay. get shitty. That's, <laughs> I was like turkey <laughs> flavored seltzer. Where are we going with this? <laughs> I, I laughed my ass John Soda had something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I would laugh my ass off because I do believe you said that Bells will never make a seltzer. Uh, That's, yeah, they, seltzer. I, yeah, I believe I believe so. So this isn't uh, th this is this is just the background on this is we've had a, a show where we talk about seltzers and we wind up because um, they go down so easy we wind up just slamming seltzers and talking about seltzers and and those tend to be kind of our our more um, our silly shows our drunk shows so this time that, that's why it's a holiday seltzer show Drew is we're just we're going into it eyes wide open this time understanding um, that we're just gonna have a good time. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pound a bunch of seltzers. You, you want to uh, come back like and, and hang out with us? Yeah, yeah. Come on, Dusty Brewing. Yeah, give me so, the date. I'll, I'll let you know. All right, but that so sounds like fun. We'll have that. Um, we're we're we did the recipe uh, creation show a few weeks ago with Sam and Travis uh, Ross, uh, who mm -hmm. did our amazing intro. Um, so we're gonna get together in the next few weeks, hopefully, and brew that beer with them, and then we plan on having them back on the air with us to. To, to try that beer. Seagum uh, IPA. Yes. Coconut shrimp IPA. Michigan coconut shrimp IPA, yeah. Yeah. And so... <laughs> where do, uh, where so, do you get no. Michigan coconuts from? It's a Michigan yeah. IPA, but it's also coconut, and it's also <laughs> shrimp. So I, was, yeah. I know, I was joking. Bad, so, bad dad joke. I'm off my game. We do this to, to have fun. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And some cool things are coming, right? So we've got the website up, or we're working on the website. I'm sorry. We're, we're, we're a podcast now. We're working on the Thanks, website. Thanks, Tim. And uh, <laughs> where else is Michigan Coconuts come from? Got a point. We might even be setting up a Shopify so you guys can start ordering some Michigan Brew swag. We uh, that that being said, maybe after the show, I think I have a line on a couple hats. I just want to get some uh, get some uh, feedback from you guys. Sure. Excellent, excellent. We've, we've said before, and we're still holding to this, that um, we're not looking to, you know, take home any money from the show or anything like that. Um, but that being said, people have reached out to us and been like, you know, let me get a Michigan Brew shirt or something like that. Like we recently sent a couple shirts down to uh, our friends Mike and I who just moved to Japan. So at some point soon, we'll, That's we'll right. have some some pictures of, you know, Michigan brews being ro rocked around. Michigan Tokyo. brews is oh, international. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, but I mean, if we can sell merch for no profit and pay for, you know, our stream yard fees or something like that, then um, that'd be sweet. And then use the rest of that, you know, if there's any extra money or whatever for just giveaways. Yeah, I was just going to say giveaways, like hats, yeah. shirts, you know, coasters, mugs, something like that. I don't know. Whatever we have on our, our merch page. Like, 
I want to know when the OnlyFans page is going live. That's all I care about. We'll post about that separately. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> but basically, hang with us. We've got a lot of good shows coming up this year. Uh, we're going we're gonna to meet, like I said, meet some new cool people. Uh, we've got some good guests, guests lined up. Um, and then uh, we're going to keep doing what we did or what we started this for, right? Was just to hang out and uh, drink with our friends. So, um, yeah. I think that's it. That's it. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Uh, uh, thanks for hanging out. We'll be back next week. And, uh,